Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Welcome to I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, talking mostly sports, mostly in the SEC, and mostly with the Bama bias. And now, time for your hosts. Tom was a regular starter on his peewee football teams. After high school, he took a relatively unknown intramural college football team and had them one win from the playoffs. Late in his college career, he was a two-sport star and relinquished his college eligibility to enter the NBA draft. As an undrafted free agent, he turned to sports gambling and poker to make ends meet. Now he's here to share his life experiences and general sports knowledge with the world. He's Tom Sims, he's Rush Chairman, and he's damn glad to meet ya. His sidekick, who hails from Parts Unknown, Red Bay, he claims he can beat any listener at Galka, which is probably correct considering you guys have like eight listeners. He has three Fortnite Victory Royale solo wins. He's been known to weeble and wobble, but he's never fallen down. He has the face for radio and the voice for newspaper, Mr. Jason Tiffin. Welcome to episode 15 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I am Jason Tiffin with your co-host Tom Sims. You know, Tom, they say if you can get through the first five seconds of public speaking, you, you, you've got it. You got the nervousness whipped. Uh, that's about five seconds. So we're good. We're good to go. <laughs> I actually one of my one of my principal buddies he uh, he was he, he ended up being a superintendent of Boaz City Schools Dr. Mark Isley uh, I would always get nervous when I would talk in front of people and I was a, a decent speaker if I could get through the first 5 10 15 seconds and I did have a couple of meltdowns one time in front of the superintendent of Shelby County and I mean I was I was shook but anyway <laughs> one time he he was uh, he uh, he was presenting in front of all the assistant principals and principals of Shelby County, and that's how he opened. He said, they say if you can get past the first five seconds of any speech, you've got it whipped as far as nervousness is concerned. And then he paused for five seconds. He said, that's about five seconds. Let's begin. <laughs> I always thought that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Nice. So – this is our uh, this is our monthly wrap up and and uh, this, so we're in the month of October and we got four five six topics we're going to talk about we're going to uh, list who we who we feel should make the CFP if it started today not who we project to win the weak ass ACC and go actually go we're talking about if the season ended today who would make it who would not spoiler alert I don't have Clemson in all right what but the first topic yeah. Sad to say, the first topic is what does Auburn do with Gus? And, you know, this has taken a major turn. I guess we put these notes together, what, Saturday, Sunday, and I, uh, you know, text them, emailed them to you. And since then, uh, Joey Gatewood has left the program. And, I mean, Gus is, is dead men walking, which is ridiculous in my opinion. I mean, he's 6-2. and two. His two losses are the number one team and the number, I think, six team on the road, 
Uh, Florida was a double-digit loss, but it was only 11. It's not like they got beat by 35. I mean, it's an 11-point loss. LSU, number one team in the country, was a three-point loss. And, I mean, here's here's what I think about Auburn. They're probably going to be 8-4, and four, and that's, that's what I've got down. What does Auburn do with Gus? We're going to guess they're 8-4. And, and I was thinking about it. Like, how can we – how can I – visualize make this visual for the audience and this is what i'm thinking i don't know if you've ever seen the motivational poster of the little kitten and he the kitten is looking into a mirror and he sees a lion staring back at him you know which is also a feline and then you know the 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 uh the catchphrase or whatever the motivational poster is uh you know you are who you think you are something like that some some mamby pamby crap but anyway (laughs) that's to me that's auburn is they're a kitten, and they look in the mirror, and they see a big lion, but that's not who they are. That's who they want to be. They want to be the Bama line, the LSU line, the, you know, Florida. I know I know Florida, historically, them and Auburn might be equal, but, you know, Florida's definitely had more success over the since the Spurrier era, which is, heck, 1989, I mean, 30 years. and But that's who they are. They're, they're an eight-and-four ball club. And their fan base really wants them to be 10 and 2, 11 and 1, 12 and 0, and it's just not in the cards. I mean, you're going to, you know, and, and they're, I, I don't think they're going to fire him. I will give my prediction. I'll let you have your piece or your say, and then I can, uh, and then I'll give my prediction on what happens. But 8 and 4 with losses to, if they go 8 and 4, that's going to be losses to uh, Florida on the road, LSU on the road. Georgia at home, Bama at home, which are going to be two top ten teams, provided Georgia wins this weekend. What do they expect? You know, 2010 and 2013 have skewed their expectations. Yeah, you're exactly right. I don't know if if I even need to, to chime in with what I was thinking because it's practically the same thing. You know, what does Auburn do with Gus? Hey, they do absolutely nothing. They should celebrate him. Auburn's enjoying unparalleled success in the history of their program. They don't want to think that, but they are. They still could go 10-2 and two this year with, with the two losses like you hit on with two top 10 teams. But even if they lose the two they're not supposed to win from here on out, all four of those teams are in the top 10. And I'm going to tell you what, there's nothing wrong with being number 11. There's 100 other schools out there oh. who would trade places with you. Bama's just not one of them, and therein lies the problem. You know, they uh, – sure, they look bad on offense this year. But, frankly, I haven't seen an offense that bad since Suge Jordan had to coach the basketball team over there. But that's what Auburn is. You said it. They're a roller coaster. They're an 8-4 and four ball club. They're just exactly like 115 other teams in the country. But, see, let's let's take a minute here and ask ourselves – How many teams across the country in the last 10 years have been continuously up? Let's say that another way. How many teams have averaged winning 10 games a year over the last 10 years? You got a guess at that? I mean, I'm going to just, in the last 10 years... Over the last 10? ten years, yep, averaging ten. I will out to in the in the essence of saving time. I will say um, four. Is a little bit higher, seven. Not many. You know, okay. we play 13, 14 games a year. The you know now with with the new scheduling and bowl games and conference championships. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of opportunity out there to get to ten wins. 
but are we really going to fire a coach that can't crack the top seven? I mean, let's think about that a second. There are only seven in the entire country that have averaged that. I think they just need to temper their expectations. I know it's hard when your big brother across the state is one of the seven, hashtag number one by a long shot, but you just have to put on your best Rock Johnson face and know your role, baby. (laughs) Rock Johnson. (laughs) I I think, sir, I think the preferred nomenclature is the Rock. He He didn't go to seven years of wrestling school to be called Rock. He earned that V, <laughs> Mister Rock. <laughs> all right, so it sounds it's it sounds like you're you're kind of wrapped up with Auburn there. If I'm if I'm catching your tone right, so I'm gonna give my prediction. Uh, I don't think they fire him. I think they want to fire him, and it, I, I think the buyout's still too big. But here's my prediction: He leaves on his own accord with a with a a um what negotiated buyout. Um, which is some people's going to say, well, that's stupid. He, they owe him that money. They do owe him that money. If he wants to hold their feet to the fire, I'm sure that uh, that contract is ironclad. Because if I'm not mistaken, Jimmy Sexton is, is his agent. I highly doubt he left any loopholes to where you know Gus wouldn't get paid. But I think Gus likes to coach. I think he is good at some things. I'm going to tell you this. We were talking about this. We we had a little rook session over here. Uh, if you're not familiar, that's a card game. And when in rook. You have a bird, you have trumps, you have a bird. And let me, the proper way to pr- play rook is the bird is between the 10 and the 11. The bird Ooh. is not high. <clears throat> so, but anyway, we were talking, and here I am di- uh, diverted over to rook, and I think I forgot the point I was going to make. So we, we might just have to move <laughs> on. But, uh, I, oh, yeah, I know what I was going to say. Um, when he gets, it, when he dials it up, man, and he gets. You know, he he takes a kickoff, he scores a touchdown, he holds you three and out, he scores another touchdown, he holds you three and out, he kicks a field goal. He's up 17 nothing. His calls are masterful at times. But it's when he doesn't have the lead is when he just – it's like he goes into fetal position. He's afraid to mix it up. Hence, you know, uh, Joey Gatewood leaving and not getting to play at all at LSU or not play much at all at LSU, not any meaningful snaps. Um so I, anyway, I think he's a. I think he's good at some certain things. I don't. I don't know if I can call him a good coach or not. I mean, he's not a terrible coach, but um, I, I think he's got some coaching years left in him, which is why I think he takes a negotiated buyout. He moves on, whether it be Arkansas, whether it be a smaller school in Arkansas, or, or you know, I think he fits in the Big Twelve with a, with an offensive first mind f- uh, philosophy. I think that's where he lands. So that's my prediction. Gus leaves on his own. Uh, negotiated slightly lower buyout so another school can afford to hire him and they part ways they shake hands and that's it Hmm. interesting call my man all right point two i've got bama is quietly smoking everyone and i've got you leading so take it away oh let me take it away then when i saw this topic uh of course, like I do a lot of them, I delve in a little bit. But I checked on a metric called Team Efficiencies that ESPN posts on their website. Basically, it accounts for how well a team plays on offense, defense, and special teams. And it further weights those statistics according to strength of schedule and even for garbage time when games are out of control. 
So if you're blowing someone out, it doesn't do you any good to run the score up when the game is in hand. And conversely, it doesn't hurt you as much when you have your backups in the game giving up non-consequential scores. The efficiencies are ranked 0 to 100, with 100 being the highest. And although they're broken out in offense, defense, and special teams, it also lists a composite score. So this is what I did. I went through and pulled out our last four championship seasons to see how we're currently doing uh, compared to those years. Back in 2011, which is the, the, the fourth furthest one away, we had an 804 metric on offense, 94.5 defense, and a composite of 92.5. Now let me rush through these other three. In 2012, yes, that is, I did 2011, and then right to 2012, that's hashtag back-to-back, hashtag, hashtags are big tonight. (laughs) Anyway, a 90.3 on offense, 91.2 on D, and a 95.4 composite. In 15, a very low 74.7 offense, 91.6 D, a 90.0 composite, and finally in 17, 86.40, 89.9D. That year we, we got neither of them over 90, but the composite was a 92.8 once you uh, factored in special teams. So in all four of those years, we led the nation. We won the title. It made sense. We led the nation. So how does that stack up the way we're going this year? Well, first off, we do not lead the nation. That title, unsurprisingly, belongs to Ohio State. They're killing it. But as far as our numbers go, we have a 95.8 on offense. That's the highest offensive number we've ever had. We have a 90, or 86.3 on defense, which is the lowest of the group of what we had. Obviously, we, we used to depend on defense a lot. But our composite score is 95.5. So taking all factors into account, our current composite is higher than all of our other championship seasons. And it's significantly higher. The highest composite score over the course of a full season actually belongs to, guess what, last year's Bama team with a 96.9, even though we didn't win the title. So... You know, to put put these numbers in perspective some, there were several national championship teams over the last 15 years who never got out of the 80s for a composite. And now, Ohio State is currently 97.9, which is the highest there's ever been, even higher than our last year's uh, factor over the season. We'll see if that continues. But in summary, we're definitely not getting the love we're used to, but we're fielding one of the overall best teams we've had, if you can put your belief in this metric. The pretty interesting stuff to me, anyway. It was. It was. I mean, it, and I, I was. I was very surprised to hear the numbers you spit out at us. You're always good with those stats. <laughs> By the way, I told Tom off the air that uh, uh, my buddy Trey, and I think his uh, username on on uh, Fortnite is Treybird underscore three. He's uh, he's over here. He's like, I'm gonna hang out and uh, play a couple games of Fortnite. So he's on my account. He just won a victory royale. <laughs> he can't win a solo at his house. He comes over here and smokes everybody. So <laughs> chalk another one up to Bama Vegas. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's, that one's going to have an asterisk by it, sir. No, sir. Anyway, you, you're, you do an excellent job of going back and looking at stats like that. I just looked at this year. 
Uh, our lowest point differential this year is 19, and that was on the road at A&M. And, you know, at, when we beat them, they were considered a good team. Of course, after we beat them, oh, they're trash, they're trash. Well, that's par for the course. Um, fourth quarter touchdowns by USC and Ole Miss, both with under 20 seconds left. And uh, the eight-point swing in the A&M game, was, it was in the fourth, but, it was, you know, they went for two. They scored and went for two. And um, and we still – we have not had a game that we have sweated. Now, you know, the devil's advocate is going to be like, well, y'all hadn't played anybody. We've not played the schedule that definitely LSU has played. But I'm going to I'm gonna ask you this. Um, outside of Wisconsin, who's Ohio State played? I mean, kind of a rhetorical <laughs> question. Now, they got games coming up, but you know what? So do we. You know, we're going to play number one at home. We're going to play current number 11 on the road – and then if we win those, we're going to play uh, a currently currently a top ten team in Atlanta. So, yeah, it just feels like that we're smoking everybody this year, and we're flying under the radar, which is fantastic. I mean, you know, the happiest person in Alabama uh, Sunday was Nick Saban when LSU vaulted number one over Bama. I mean, that was two weeks of you know he's going to get to say the media they don't they don't think you're any good. I mean, he's going to have us so pumped up for that. Yep, I love so, that myself. Yeah, for sure. All right, topic three is, is the LSU-Bama loser in the college football playoff as long as they finish the regular season at 11-1? and one? Now, the, re- the only reason we put this on here, this was a misnomer uh, this time last week because you had Clemson undefeated, you had Ohio State undefeated, you had Oklahoma undefeated, and then hypothetically you had the winner of the Bama-LSU game undefeated. So there, there would be no one-loss teams in there. But like I said in the podcast uh, Tuesday, what we're going to do, Paul? There's going to be four undefeateds, Paul. Yeah, that left <laughs> that left pretty quickly. So here's the thing. Everybody, you know, ESPN's got a 67 – LSU with a 67% chance of making it at 11-1. and one. They got Bama at a 60% chance of making it at 11-1. and one. So will the loser make it? My answer is no, they will not. I think they'll deserve to be there, but I I think after 2011, the pressure is going to get to the committee. All the talking heads are going to be like, do we really want this to happen again? They've already played on the field. LSU beat Bama or Bama beat LSU, whichever one happened. Uh, you know, we're going to let Oregon in or we're going to let Oklahoma in, and, and they're going to have a valid argument. I was totally, you know, as soon as, as, soon as Oregon – lost to uh, Auburn. I'm like, yep, Pat Quell's done. Thanks for playing. Week one, you're out. But I'm going to backtrack on that a little bit. If Let's just say Oregon runs a table. That will be 12 consecutive wins and and winning their conference. And their only loss would be a single-digit loss to a team that should finish 8-4 and four and will be – what will 8-4 and four be ranked? About 18 to 22, something like that, at a neutral Probably. site. So, I mean, I, I, I think that Oregon gets the nod, sadly. And I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens with, um, with Oklahoma if they go 12-1. Uh, and one. You know, would they, get, would they get the nod over LSU-Bama? I'm going to say Oregon or Oklahoma will get the nod. So, for the, the, the safest thing to happen next week, whoever wants to go to the playoff needs to win the, the Bama-LSU game because the, the loser is putting themselves in peril at the hands of the voters. Yeah, and I don't completely disagree with your sentiment. As a matter of fact, we 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 have reached the same partial conclusion, but I, I've got a different methodology in getting there. I don't think that 
well, let me say this. I feel like the committee tries, because I don't think there's anything nefarious about the committee that's almost like saying that, you know, everybody in in Congress is out to get you individually. There There's some bad seeds everywhere, but uh, I don't think the committee would try to purposely... I guess, violate their own rules by looking at past seasons or past results or avoiding matchups and things of that nature. I, I, I hope that's not the case anyway. But uh, but as far they as, you know, you know, yeah, they, they should. I think they will. And they very well might. I just I just like to see the good in people, I guess, and in, in, in doing their job correctly instead of having some sort of bias. But what I will say is, you know, back to the question at hand, Will the loser get in the college football playoff? I'm going to say LSU is a lock for sure. I say if LSU loses, they're in. Uh, uh, of course, this is an assumption both of us are making that that the loser also runs the table. But there are currently five legitimate undefeated teams. Sorry, Baylor and Big E from Minnesota. LSU, Bama, Ohio State, Clemson, and Penn State. Now, four of these square off against each other. Of course, Bama and LSU, and then Ohio State and Penn State play a couple weeks after that, I think. So a one-loss team is definitely getting in. There's only going to be three undefeateds maximum. So if LSU loses to Bama and then then runs it out, they'll have wins over Texas, Florida, Auburn, and... I said this. No, that's that's wrong. I had I had Georgia presumably, but if they lose that, that would be Alabama play and Georgia. But the, but they'll have beaten Texas, Florida, and Auburn with just a loss, uh, you know, to Alabama, which would be one or two. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't think there's like any shot that they get left out with that schedule. Uh, that even works out for LSU if they were to to beat Alabama, go and lose to Georgia in the SEC championship team, you know, Georgia would get in then, uh, assuming they get there with one loss. And then I also think LSU mm-hmm. would be the second representative from the SEC for the for the yeah, for two sure. teams in one sure. conference, you know. But for Alabama, it's not so cut and dry. If they were to lose to LSU, Bama is going to need some help. Everything holds serve the way it's supposed to. Then Bama's best win on the year would be eight and four Auburn. They would have no top ten teams. They would be lucky if A and M or Auburn were still ranked at the end. I would figure Auburn, just due to who they were lost to, would be in the twenties. You know, something like that. A and M, they they may no, be nowhere to be seen at that time. But it that could be a bad situation if you if you put schedules. Uh, 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 for Bama up against, a, like you had just mentioned, a one-loss Pac-12 Oregon or even a one-loss Penn State team if, if they lost a close one with a host state and, and run it out. I mean, even there, Penn State would have wins over Iowa, Michigan, and Minnesota. That's three to nothing ranked teams possibly in favor of them. So I don't think Bama can overcome a lost LSU. I do think they could overcome a loss to Georgia, though. If they beat LSU, went to the SEC championship game, and then lost that one, they might be in the same boat LSU would be for getting that second SEC team in there. But basically, I think the Alabama-LSU game is an elimination game for Alabama. I think 
well, if everything else holds serve, if everybody wins the yeah, games they're you. supposed to win, you know, yeah. I mean, we'd need chaos if we lose to LSU. That's just my thoughts on it. So I think if you if you're playing to win at all, you need to win against LSU here in two weeks. Yeah, I agree. And that, and that was another thing that uh, I did not actually write down in my notes, but you're exactly right. The loser, whether it's Bama or LSU, the, the loser of the Bama-LSU game, they have to have the West representative win in Atlanta. If the East representative wins uh, at, at – and you got to figure the East representative is going to be 11-1 uh, and one yep. outside. Yeah, man, any, man, a lot of – we've got a lot of football left, but – you know, if, if Georgia-Florida winner is 11-1 and beats LSU or Bama, then the loser of the LSU-Bama game's out because the ACC champion is the first representative and then the 12-0 the team that the lost in 12 – yeah, absolutely yep. gets the number four seed. So, yep. uh, uh, speaking of undefeated teams, let's move on to Ohio State. They are killing teams. Uh, they beat your – they beat your uh, your darling um, – Wisconsin last week by the tune of what thirty eight to seven it was not pretty. So uh, <laughs> what do you th- what do you make out of them? I'm telling you, Ohio State is pulling a Mark Kerr. If you don't know who Mark Kerr is, you need to find that documentary and watch it. Mark Kerr was an N- MMA fighter. This is back before MMA had the actual rules in place that they have now. And his documentary was titled "The Smashing Machine." That's what Ohio State is pulling off right now. I mentioned the efficiencies earlier, which they lead by a mile. There are only two teams in the country that have at least a 90 rating on defense, and they're one of them. There are only four teams in the country with at least a 90 rating on offense, and they're one of them. There are only seven teams in the top 25 that have a special teams rating of 50 or above. Guess who's on that list? I mean, they. I'm gonna say Bama is not. <laughs> that's another good guess. I mean, they're clicking on all cylinders. Not only is Ohio State winning on paper, they look impressive to the eyeball test as well. In the opener this year, they had FAU 35 to six in the fourth quarter before giving up two late scores. Since that game, only Indiana and Michigan State have been able to score double digits on them as and both of those recorded 10 spots. Their offense has only scored in the 30s twice, both times against ranked teams, and both games there were complete blowouts, 34-10 to 10 and 38-7. to 7. And additionally, some of the teams they have completely dismantled, and see, you mentioned this a while ago as having a weak schedule. I, did, I dug into it a little bit more. They beat Cincinnati 42 to nothing this year. Cincinnati has not lost again. They're six or seven and one. <laughs> Indiana is six and two on the year. They beat them fifty one to ten. The more I looked at the teams they played, Northwestern is the only opponent on Ohio State schedule this year who's got a losing record so far. All the other teams are one or two wins away from being bowl eligible, if not already there. So I found no weaknesses in them from a Bama perspective. I think you have to scratch and claw and hope to meet them in the title game and just let the chips fall where they may. I mean, because right now I've got no answers for Ohio State. Yeah, they're looking they're looking very good. Uh, Georgia obviously came out on the wrong end of the Fromm Fields free agency. I mean, Fromm has not looked good at times. Fields look good every week. I mean, Chase Young's the best player in college football. 
And uh, I was dead wrong about Ryan Day. You know, one of the first podcasts we talked about, you know, are we really going to sit here on Selection Sunday and say, boy, we got to put that Ryan Day in the same category as Nick Saban and, and Dabo Sweeney and Jimbo Fisher. And, I'm, you know, maybe we're not going to go that far yet. But, man, he is not, you know, Urban was notorious for laying the egg, uh, you know, whether it was against uh, Iowa. Was it Iowa that year that smoked them? Yes. And then, um, you know, Purdue last year. Mm-hmm. And they're not showing any signs. Like I said, a lot of football to be played. A lot of teams go undefeated in September, and there's still a, a decent amount go to undefeated in October. Very few make it to December one undefeated. So there's a lot of football to be played. But I, you know, if you made me bet on if you made me bet on them or Clemson to be undefeated, I don't know. I guess you'd have to take Clemson based on their trash schedule. But man, it would be a tough call because Ohio State has really, really done well. Yeah. Um, I just uh I, yeah I see them getting I see them being number one, uh coming out of of the first the first uh, CFP release which will be this coming Tuesday, and if they don't lose it'll be hard they'll be hard pressed to not be number one and get to uh, get the coveted Georgia Dome spot. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right, next topic: Who is the best one loss team? Now I was gonna say the winner of the Florida Georgia game. Uh, you know, we're about, we're going to post today's a Halloween night. We're going to post this podcast tonight or tomorrow morning, you know, November 1st. So the, the week nine games or whatever week we're actually on will not have been played yet. But I felt that was cheating because if you're going to project, then go ahead and project to end of next week. And then the best one loss team is the loser of the Bama, Bama LSU game. So I'm going to have to go with right now what we've seen on the field. And I've got, I'm going to go with Florida. Uh, you know, Trask has settled in nicely at quarterback. Mullen is a very good coach. I know he's had some – sometimes he has some strange hiccups in games, but overall he's a, he's a really good coach. Defense, much better than I expect them to be. I, I didn't know any of these names when they started the year, and now, you know, the couple of them are household names. The defensive ends are just fantastic. Um all that said now, I fully expect Georgia to beat them by 40 this Saturday. But right now, I'm going with Florida as the number one, as the best one-loss team. All right, so this this is a fairly easy question. Is It basically comes down to, in my opinion, Georgia, Florida, Oklahoma, Oregon, or Utah. Those are the only legitimate mm-hmm. one-loss teams out there. And to me, Georgia hadn't been playing like a championship caliber team. They have the players, but they haven't put it together, so I I eliminated them immediately. Oklahoma just lost to Kansas State, and they continue to not play defense. They also have no other games left to redeem themselves on the schedule, so I eliminated them. Utah plays defense, but I can't get over the loss to USC. That was a damaging loss. And there are not many more opportunities in the Pac-12 either to make a statement. So you can't afford to drop a cheap game, and they did, so it's not Utah. So in my mind, that leaves Florida and Oregon as the two legitimate teams looking to see who's the best one-loss team. Now, I'll be honest with you. If a one-loss team gets in the playoffs, I don't believe it'll come from the group that I just listed, those five teams. I don't think one of those five teams is a good enough one-loss team to get the playoff. Oregon and Florida both have good losses. You know, Auburn for Oregon, a game they were actually winning throughout, and LSU for Florida, who also had a fourth-quarter lead before they give up 21 answers there at the end. But to me, though, it's not the losses these teams – 
that uh, tells the whole story, but the wins. Florida struggled to put away a Miami in the opener. Granted, it was the opener, and they had a different quarterback then, but they also had to come behind late to clip Kentucky, and they also trailed in the fourth quarter of that South Carolina game just a couple of weeks ago. That's, that's the bad. And for Oregon, they struggled with a weak Stanford and a weak California team, both of those. They did go on the road to beat Washington late, but just last week they had to kick a last-second field goal at home against Washington State. So that's not good either. But frankly, I can't tell a difference between the two. And I ended it in a tie, kissing your sister if you want to say that. I'll reiterate that none of the one-loss teams right now look like playoff contenders, though. I may get surprised, mainly because it's Halloween, but I doubt it will come from these teams. Sorry, Top Dog. Well, who's your one-loss team? Who's your one-loss team? You didn't even listen. I said it ended in the tie, Florida and Oregon. They'll have to put Florida together. Oregon. I did listen to that. <laughs> I, I, was bu- I, I was busy watching Trey uh, embarrass my Bama Vegas moniker. Uh, well, he finished about he finished tenth, so not 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 district, not too bad. But yeah, I mean it, it is, and, and like you said, I totally agree that the the teams that you know you selected Florida or Oregon, I selected Florida. Oregon can make the play. I don't see the one of them making the playoffs. Oregon uh, was kind of a, a dark horse, but uh, but you know it, I think the clear cut number one or the one loss team will be the loser Bama LSU in a couple of weeks. So well, that wraps up what we felt was important through the month of October. We got a couple more things to discuss. We're going to give you our CFP teams as of today. Uh, But the next topic, uh, kind of switching gears a little bit, individual pick is who, Tom, who is your Heisman? Um, And I don't really know how to answer this. Who's your Heisman today? Or who, I guess, who do you see winning the Heisman? Like, let's, let's go ahead and fast forward to December the, what will it be? The 15th or whatever. And um, who do you see winning the Heisman? I I answered this question differently. Uh, Who do I see winning it is a different answer than what uh, what I thought was would be my Heisman pick. Of course, I'm a homer. I'm going to pick Tua, but I picked Tua not because I'm a homer, but because he's the best player. But let before I get into why I picked Tua, let me uh, let me answer that question. So, who do I see is going to win the Heisman? I'm going to say that. I'm going to say by the time the Heisman gets here, Justin Fields is going to make a run for it. Uh, he he looks like, and I'm, I'm just going off the cuff here. I didn't even check his stats, but I'm just, I'm projecting on how the teams look, you know, because you know how finicky those Heisman voters are. You go out there and lose a game, uh, whether you play well or not, all of a sudden you de- you're deemed to be a little less than you were the week before. Or you go out there and have a bad game. Well, Ohio State's set up pretty prime uh, for Fields not to really have poor games, but also defeat at least decent competition. Penn State, Michigan still left on their schedule. I, I'm thinking they'll be a 17-point favorite over Penn State at home, and and maybe close to that on the road to Michigan the way they've been playing. But. Uh, but who who do I think is the best player? It's Tua. He's the he's the best player in the country, even though he missed almost two games. He trails only Burrow in completion percentage. He trails only Hurts in quarterback rating. He's still third in the country in TD passes thrown, even though he's missed two games. 
folks can paint whatever <laughs> narrative they want to for this race. Hashtag, just as I'm doing. But at the end of the day, he's simply the best player. The NFL draft will bear that out as well. Tua, Tua, Tua. Yeah, I mean, and th- and that's what we were talking tonight. I, I did not select Tua. I will, I will tell you who I selected in just a second. But we were talking tonight. I said, you know, if Tua doesn't win it, the, the best quarterback in the country for two consecutive years is not going to take home the Heisman. And that's just a travesty. But I, I think the Heisman voters are going to go ABT, anybody but Tua. And <clears throat> Burrow has a chance. If Burrow, if LSU beats Alabama and Burrow throws for a couple of – let's just say, you know, nothing – I mean, yeah, if he throws for five touchdowns, he's got the Heisman. You can go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, well, I say that. But, you know, everybody knows that the last game is the most important game because Tua went for Obviously. six touchdowns against Auburn and then, you know – didn't do much and didn't. Well, he actually had two touchdowns against Georgia, and but yeah, it wasn't enough because Kyler Murray was just so much better. Whatever, whatever. Hashtag whatever. Yep. So anyway, I I say I say Bama beats uh, LSU, and that then so that make that means Burrow gets the Peyton Manning treatment. You know, Peyton Manning could not beat Florida, therefore he could not win the Heisman. And I think it. I think the voters go ABT anybody but Tua. I'm going with Chase Young from Ohio State defensive end. Phenomenal player. But he, you know, the, the, traditionally there's only been one guy, one defender that has won it, and that's Charles Woodson, and he also returned punts. But, man, they're talking up young. Even Feinbaum is talking up young. And that's fine. I mean, you know, but to me, Feinbaum is SEC. You know, he's SEC network. He goes to SEC games. Dude, stump for your guys. I mean, if it's not to it, that's fine. Stump for Burrow. Don't stump for freaking Chase Young out of uh, out of Ohio State. But I just think that's going to be it. I think they're going to take, you know, Burrow and Tua is going to be so close. And I think the, the swing votes will go to Chase Young. And that's my Heisman Trophy winner. So we shall see. So uh, we we're both probably what, six State weeks guys. away, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> All right, so a couple more things. College football playoff teams as of today. We're not projecting who is going to be selected on December the 9th or whatever that Sunday is right after the, the all the championship weekend games. But as of today, uh, I'll let you go first, Tom. I'm actually going to go reverse order. And I'm, I did, yeah, I put down, so you, you know, we're doing six, correct? Yes. So, right, you, so go do, ahead. do you want me to just do six, or do you want me to rattle them all off? Uh, let's. I tell you what, you we'll go in order. You well, let's go six, five, four, three, two, one, and you go first, and I'll go second. And we'll we'll get to one. Okay, uh, my my sixth place team I've already talked about, which is a combo of Oregon and Florida. I had them in a tie for the best one loss team. They both end up in a tie for my sixth place spot. <laughs> You know, your wife is out of town, and we're doing a lot of talk about kissing your sisters. There's a correlation there. <laughs> I don't have a uh, My number six. <laughs> <laughs> my number six is Oregon, uh, and I'll go ahead and give you my number five because my number five is your tiebreaker uh, is Florida. So six is Oregon for me. Five is Florida for me. Who you have for five? I have Penn State at fifth. They've earned it. PSU. All right, fourth. Fourth, I have Clemson. Clemson, the team that did not make my top six. My number four is Penn State. 
number three, I have LSU. Same. And number two, you have Bama. Bama. Uh, we're going to line up just right. I have Bama. Of course, that leaves Ohio State for both of us. And you know, I guess I should have. I guess I should have stuck with what I'm on, what I said. Uh, you know, I actually, if you remember, I have I have LSU winning the West this year. So as bad as it pains me, next week I'm going to have to take LSU to win. But as of today, man, I know LSU's played a, a better schedule, but their defense is not up to what it, it has been in the past. Um, and our defense has gotten better. And I just I feel like Bama's number two. I'm going to give Ohio State the nod just based on their game control. But I mean, it's neck and neck. So at, right now, if, uh, if the season ended today, Tom would have Ohio State hosting Clemson in Atlanta. I would have Ohio State hosting Penn State in Atlanta. And we would have Bama and LSU uh, dodging the 180-mile trip to Atlanta and flying cross-country to, to the desert to play. So Ohio right. State, Bama, LSU, Penn State for me. Ohio State, Bama, LSU, Clemson for Tom. All right, do you, one thing I threw do you in remember, late. I know, b- go ahead, before, go ahead. Before you go on, do you remember – what we had at the end of uh, September, I want to say I had, uh, I want to say I had Ohio State and Bama one two then as well. Is that? Do you remember that? Man, I've, I should have pulled those up. That's okay. I've, I've well, got all my stuff here. I'll but go yeah, back I mean, and listen I think, to the podcast. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you don't know, and you wouldn't know because I hadn't talked about this, but like Tom's always like, hey, dude, you listen? I'm like, man, I can't listen. I hate my voice. I get nervous. I can't listen to it. <laughs> so, but yeah, I know, know I'm, I'm confident I had Ohio State number one. <laughs> That's a, the, by our lack of Twitter followers. That's how we know. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm confident I had Ohio State, and if you're confident you had Ohio State, and I know Bama was in the top four. I did have Clemson. I know that. I had, I think I had Clemson three or four, and they're out. And that's, that's you know, everybody wants to focus on, well, man, they've won all their games. Well, they have won all their games, but is beating North Carolina by one uh, that much more impressive than losing to Auburn by, what, four? Uh, the mm-hmm. first game of the year? I mean yep. – you know, it's it's to the eye of the beer holder. So and I'm holding the beer right now. So I'm saying, you know, Oregon gets the nod over Clemson at number six. There you go. So uh, one prediction for December 1st. I, I added this late, but I did send it out to Tom, so he's not been blindsided by this. Uh, give me one prediction that when we wake up after Iron Bowl weekend, or no, actually, no, I think – uh, I think you're you're right. It's the day after. Well, shoot. I did mine for December 8th. <laughs> tell me what you want to tell me, and I'm going that, to use December that's 8th. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's fine. I thought it was an interesting question. I, I got what you were getting at. You basically wanted to predict the rest of the regular season. I, I'm with you, uh, including the college yeah, yeah. or the conference playoff. But uh, my, my answer doesn't change either way. I predict that after the LSU-Bama game, so that's after, not this Saturday, but next mm-hmm. Saturday. Whoever the top three teams in the committee's playoff is that following week, they will not change the rest of the year. I think that will be a first as those rankings usually jump around a pretty good bit. But I think there's too much elitism at the top this year. I don't think Ohio State will lose. Clemson doesn't have anybody left on their schedule. And the Bama LSU winner will win out. That leaves the mystery fourth-place opponent which is where everything will get interesting. But I predict the those top three teams, whoever wins that Bama LSU game, 
skirts all the way to the end. Uh, good, good one. That's interesting. Uh, I have, I've got the East wins the SEC. Uh, everybody's pointing Bama LSU, Bama LSU, and I think Florida or Georgia slips in there and beats the the winner of the Bama LSU game, which saves the committee the 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 heartache of having to put in the loser of the Bama LSU. Because as we've discussed, if Florida wins the East and wins the, the conference title and beats a twelve and zero Bama LSU, uh, the loser of the SEC title game goes goes ahead and gets that number four spot or whatever that wherever they want to put them. They're in the top four. Mm-hmm. So that's that wraps us up for save one thing. Uh, you know we give we give uh, two games apiece every week as our official targeting not targeting picks and I you know we've made fun. I mean Tom went zero and two so many times that he had to get a guest picker. And <laughs> I didn't know I didn't know um, how you know I knew I had gone two and zero a couple of times. So I went back and looked. I'm like this would be perfect for the wrap up, dude. I'm thirteen and five. Like the world famous nice. Johnny DeMarco would be envious of thirteen and five. <laughs> Tom is seven and eleven, but you know here here's the thing about uh, the podcast. I'm not targeting. You're targeting. We're a team effort, so <laughs> you can take my thirteen and five and throw it out the window because I'm interested in twenty and sixteen. So overall, that's what we are. We're twenty and sixteen. We're plus four units. So I told Tom, I'm like, you know, if you bet a hundred dollars a game. Uh, you'd be up two hundred and forty bucks. Tom said, "Hell, if you bet a million dollars a game, you'd be two point up two point four million dollars." So we're gonna go with Tom's units. <laughs> but uh, you know, he, uh, James James email or James email James Ezel, this guy I met on the internet, not sketchy at all. There, uh, he texts you're not getting me, catfished, he, are you? He texts me. <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Uh, I've actually actually had a couple of beers with him at the win. Uh, World famous win uh, hotel casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> and ran into ran into uh, Scott Van Pelt there. Interesting story. That's for another day. But uh, he, you know, he always when he uh, the first podcast he texts me. He's like, dude, if I drink every time you said oh or um, I wouldn't make it past ten minutes. I'm like, screw you, dude. We're we're trying. But he he actually bragged on the show of the day. And he's like, but y'all's bets y'all's picks suck. I'm like, dude, I went two and zero two weeks in a row. So anyway, uh, he keeps us grounded. But yeah, we're twenty and sixteen, so you might want to pay attention to that. There you uh, go, man. We're your, hey, we're right in our we're right in our sweet spot. We're forty four minutes forty four seconds, so we're good. Uh, that ends up. Hey, have a great weekend, everybody. Uh, we got one good game this week. That's about it. The the cocktail party. So uh, be safe out there this weekend and roll tide. No doubt. And looking forward to uh, Tuesday previewing the Alabama LSU game. That's going to be a big one. Take it easy, guys.